This, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast. On this week's Second Story Podcast, Robin and Jim have only been married for three days. But is it three days too many? Robin Okrent and Jim Stevens co-wrote this story, which premiered at Second Story on February 10th at Webster's Wine Bar in Lincoln Park. The theme of the evening was Let's Make Out, Stories of Awkward Love. With their story titled, The Honeymoon is Over, Second Story proudly presents Robin Okren and Jim Stevens. It's our honeymoon, and we're climbing up Mont Royale. The air is crisp, the sparrows are singing, and we've been arguing since the foot of the mountain. Since breakfast. Technically for three days. Since we arrived in Montreal. If you want to get technical, we've been arguing since we got engaged just over eight months ago. This is the worst mistake I've ever made. Not coming to Canada. Canada's lovely. That's not what you said yesterday. The problem is Jim. Every time we try to connect, it ends in an argument. We're fighting like Wheezy and George. We're, we're doing these nonstop go-for-the-jugular jabs. As we're climbing up the mountain, the sky gets overcast, threatens rain. It's freezing cold. I'm hot and hungry and exhausted from arguing. Jim hasn't said much in the last 15 minutes, but he's sighing meaningfully. Like he's, um, like the leading lady in a Tennessee Williams play. For the millionth time, I ask, what's going on? Nothing. Liar. What's going on? Nothing. I force myself to keep my arms at my side so I don't push him into a ravine. A bottomless French-Canadian ravine. I never realized how much I didn't like Jim until the third day of our honeymoon. My timing is amazing. I wish I could put my finger on how our downward spiral started. Just one year ago, Jim and I were set up by two married friends who insisted we were perfect for each other because we both rode bicycles and used the same organic toothpaste. I agreed to the setup, but I did have my doubts that Toms of Maine could be the foundation of a lasting relationship. We've just passed the halfway point on Montreal. I feel as though I've stepped into an alternate universe. We've been arguing for the last 45 minutes about whether we go for Middle Eastern or sushi tonight. For my first meeting with Jim, I agreed to go on a blind camping date. Three days in the deep woods with a stranger. In a tent. With a stranger. In the woods. I stay behind Robin several paces so I can pretend I'm alone. I try to focus on the centuries-old trees and the chatter of small animals hiding in the brush. Instead, I glare at the back of Robin's head, silently screaming all the things I just don't dare say out loud. The couple who set us up would be chaperoning and chauffeuring us to High Cliff State Park in Wisconsin for the weekend. When they arrived to pick me up from work, I threw my camping gear in their already jam-packed trunk and slid into the back seat next to Jim. I am completely trapped. Quick assessment. Cute. Great eyes with crinkly laugh lines at the corners. Good head of hair. Tall. Friendly smile. Totally adorable. I decided he was worthy of a hair toss. So I removed the elastic band that held my long hair up in a bun and shook my curls out all over my shoulders. I could feel his eyes on me. Success. The hair toss is one of my best moves. (laughs) 
We smiled at each other coyly, and in an instant there was... There was an electricity between us, a magnetic force pulling us together. I want nothing to do with Robin. As I put one foot in front of the other, every reason she's wrong for me floods my mind. She's impatient and demanding. He's fabulous. And I craved some moments alone with him. Why bother saying anything? She never agrees with a word I say. I agreed with Jim that we could spend the night in the same tent. We laid in our sleeping bags, looking up at the stars through the clear plastic moonroof. We talked for hours. There was no filter between us, no pretense. Clouds drifted in and blocked our view of the stars, and it became very dark. I tried to telepathically send him the message that it would be okay to kiss me and then the skies opened up and rain began to batter the tent we watched lightning crisscross the sky and felt the vibrations of the thunder and we laid in companionable silence just listening to the sounds of the storm until we fell asleep together when the sun rose in the early morning it was the brightness that woke me up I was astounded. I'd never slept so soundly next to anyone in my life. I rolled over to face Jim, who was still asleep, cocooned in his own sleeping bag, and the warm yellow light made it look like like he was glowing. Oh my God. I'm going to marry this guy. I never planned on proposing to Robin. And now... As we're plodding up Mont Royal, I'm getting more and more upset with each step. Hiking is one of my passions, and I'm pretty tough. I've trekked with altitude illness, with a torn meniscus, through a blizzard, through a week of rain, through clouds of bloodthirsty mosquitoes, but I can say without reservation that this is the worst hike I have ever taken. I have never been so angry in such a peaceful setting, and I've never been so lonely in the presence of another person. It had been less than five months since our blind camping date when Robin's parents took her to go to South Beach to celebrate her birthday. As smitten as I was, even though I barely had a cent to my name, I didn't hesitate to max out my credit card and buy a ticket to meet her there. I allowed Jim to walk ahead of me on the trail for a while. The sound of his boots crunching the gravel is so annoying I want to rip my face off. And with horror, I realize that I have married a man who wears jean shorts. Tan ones. On the endless cab ride from the airport to her, her hotel, I was bursting with excitement to see Robin. It had only been four days since we parted in Chicago, but it felt like we'd been separated forever. One morning, I took a nap on a chaise lounge as Robin took a dip in the jacuzzi. I was surrounded by so many things I loved. The sun, the ocean, the warmth, my girlfriend. This was perfect. I reopened my eyes just in time to see her approaching. Water dripped off her muscular legs onto the concrete poolside. Her skin was tanned from several days in the sun and her two-piece clung enticingly to her wet body. I sat paralyzed. Our eyes met, blurring out the crowd of people around us. All I see is Robin. All I can focus on is what bothers me about Jim. I can't stop making a list. I really want to write it down so I don't forget all the things I don't like about him. Robin sat down across from me, drying herself off. I was barely aware of my hands gripping my stomach, which was rising and falling with each erratic breath. 
I felt like I did that first time I went skydiving. That instant after I flung myself out of an airplane, my organs rushing into my throat, exhilaration and panic at the same time. And I heard myself ask, Robin, so what would you think of marriage? He's so vague. I always have to ask him to explain himself. After I clarified that I was proposing, (laughs) Robin got strangely quiet. I had never seen her speechless before. She barely moved a muscle. I think she may have been in shock. I suggested we take a short walk, and she nodded robotically. It turned into a very long walk. She hadn't spoken a word for over an hour. I was getting anxious. And then suddenly, as if snapped back into her body, Robin pulled me into the doorway of a Cuban cafe. Yes. I was ecstatic. Let's do it. Once we returned from South Beach, Jim and I rushed up to Evanston to spill the news of our engagement at a barbecue thrown by my best friend, Laura. Not a single person was surprised. They already knew we were meant to be together. After we left the party, we walked hand in hand down the street of an upscale neighborhood. I secretly chose the house I wished I could live in with Jim. To be honest, I I really never even wanted to get married before I met Jim. But now I'm moving into a neo-tutor with a swimming pool and a covered patio with him in my mind. I love you. I love you too. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) But... But what? Do you love me or not? I love you, but we do argue. What? I love you, but we are different. Are you kidding me? I love you, but I'm not entirely sure what I want. Uh, I never told any other man that I loved him before Jim. Saying those words made me feel so vulnerable and raw. There was only one answer I wanted to hear in return. I never said those words to anyone before Robin, and I did love her. But our relationship was far from perfect. How could I say I love her without clarifying the reasons our relationship might not work? I love you, but... I was furious. I was so angry I couldn't see straight. How could he have asked me to marry him when he still had so many doubts? I felt betrayed. She was so angry she yelled at me in the middle of the street. This is our first fight. I avoid conflict at any cost. I retreat into my shell. I am so hurt I have no reasonable words. Maybe I should call the whole thing off. Maybe we're not meant to be together. But I already sent out the invitation, so I guess there's no going back now. Maybe this will change. Maybe it'll get better after we're married? (sighs) And what's with the sighing? Is that new? We're almost at the top of Montreal. I'm as pissed at myself as I am at Robin. I'm thinking nonstop about the countless warning signs I ignored before our wedding day. All the time she told me to do something rather than asking. All the time she corrected the way I spoke or critiqued the way I used a word. She is relentless in telling me that irregardless is not a word. It's not a word. She gets so impatient with me that she cuts off everything I say. All I, I want don't is like to be- myself when I'm with Jim. He brings out the worst in me, my, my defensiveness, my hair-trigger temper. We trudge to the highest point of the mountain as far away from each other as possible. Jim on the right side of the trail, me on the left. Sure. We bike together and our breath smells like fennel after we brush. But there's so many things that are wrong with her. For instance, when I'm speechless, she repeatedly tells me to use my words. 
He takes more time deciding what to order in a restaurant than it takes me to watch a sitcom. She calls me out on everything I say, irregardless of whether it's important or not. His calves are smaller than mine. She's insensitive to my sensitivity. He either can't communicate his feelings or he doesn't actually have any. She's stubborn. He's stubborn. She's He's stubborn. stubborn. She's He's stubborn. stubborn. He's She's stubborn. stubborn. I rack my brain trying to remember what I like about Robin. Why I ever fell in love with Jim. Mm. Oh, no, no, that's not the thing I was thinking. Uh, well. This, there's gotta be. Mm. She is a killer trivial pursuit player. He, um, oh. Oh, he can reach higher shelves in the grocery store than I can. She's an awesome cook. He is really nice to my mom and dad. She's bold and incredibly spontaneous, which I aspire to be. He rides down to where I work and lives, leaves little love notes in my bicycle's handlebars. I love to hear her laugh, and she's as funny as I am. He thinks I'm sexy even when I'm wearing sweatpants. She's always honest with me. He's kind to everyone. I love her. But... We fought all the way from our engagement to the top of Mount Royale. He yelled at me in Tim Hortons in front of the donuts. We fought through the Botanic Garden. On the Zen Meditation Bridge. At the Indian restaurant. At the Chinese restaurant. Why am I so angry? We reached the very top of the mountain, exhausted from our uphill battle. The city of Montreal sprawls beneath us. Robin charges ahead of me to the scenic lookout with the panoramic view of the city... And the St. Lawrence River. I am desperate to be close to Jim, but I cannot find the willingness to surrender. Dodging crowds of people, I pull out our camera and take pictures of the scenery like everyone else. I follow Robin from one spot to another. None of the pictures I take include either one of us. We buy lunch in the chalet and eat outside against the stone railing. There's 10 feet between us. We eat in silence. I'm staring at the city, and Jim stares at the ground. We're lost in our own islands of thought. <coughs> I see Robin jump. She's making wild, indecipherable moments with her arms. I'm trying to signal to Jim that a squirrel has run up behind him on the wall and is poised to launch itself over his shoulder at his sandwich. I take a look and turn around and look into the beady eyes of this insane squirrel standing on its hind legs. Jim screams as if Norman Bates has flung open his shower curtain. It springs at me and then tries to climb up my jean shorts. Jim runs in circles, waving his uh, tuna on rye overhead. I'm trying to make myself as big as possible. Why? You know, like I can fool it into thinking I'm a bear. Oh. And then I break into a sprint and lose the possessed rodent in a group of picnicking nuns. I didn't think you could lose so fast. I barely escaped with my sandwich in my life. But not your dignity. We laugh hysterically. Uncontrollably until our stomachs ache. Until Robin's laughter turns into tears. I start to sob. I just can't hold it in anymore. I've never been able to see Robin cry without it breaking my heart. I instinctively gather her into my arms. Reflexively, my body tenses, but then I melt against Jim's chest. Like boxers, exhausted and beaten, we lock in an embrace to keep from collapsing. I'm completely spent. 
I've lost the will to fight. The need to be right. Once again, that feeling as if I've jumped out of an airplane, my heart in my throat. There's no other place I wish to be. He holds me so tightly that I can hear his heartbeat. God, I love that sound. There's no one else in the world that I'd rather be with. I love you. I love you. But. No buts. Robin Okrent and Jim Stevens. Robin is a Chicago-based actress and author who teaches both writing and yoga. She has read many times for Second Story. Jim is a longtime Chicago resident. This story marks his Second Story debut. The story featured a sound design by Nick Kawahara, performance direction by Tyler James Green, and was curated by Molly Each. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to see you at a Second Story show. Second Story is hosting a fundraiser at Revolution Brewery in Logan Square on March 24th. With every ticket, each guest receives unlimited beer and food, as well as three awesome stories from our series. We hope to see you there. Remember, unlimited beer. For tickets or for more information about Second Story, visit our website at secondstory.com. That's 2ndstory.com. Second Story podcasts are brought to you in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the City Arts Program, the Arts Works Fund, and the Chicago Community Foundation. Podcast support from Amanda Delheimer Diamond, Bobby Badrisky, the Second Story Publishing Committee, Molly Each, Nick Kawahara, Tyler James Green, Eric Hazen, Danielle Ezel, C.P. Chang, Sherry Pentabone, and myself. I'm Ozzie Totten, and this is Second Story. Thanks for listening.